Today's episode is brought to you by Slay House Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. Hey, guess what, everybody? It's Jeremy and it's Trevor. Yay! And We're it's back Slay again. House. It's Slay House Presents. See, we shortened the name, and now we have to like fill all that space up <laughs> that used to be taken by the longer name. Of us figuring out what our name was. <laughs> Guess what I'm holding in my hands today, folks. Uh, Stop it. This is a family show. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutters. Get your heads out of your pockets. I just got the review copy in the mail for Tales of Slayhouse 2022, and it is beautiful. Actually, you guys are going to hear this on Friday. It's now Wednesday. So this is one of those weird time travel things. We're like, yeah. But Everything it, we do, you just got to presume. Yep, yep. It's beautiful. I think you guys are really going to like this. I like it. Um, I mean, I, I like all of our titles. Everything is just, we've been mm-hmm. so fortunate that everything has turned out so beautifully and so so just nicely it's 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 great yeah and this book especially just yeah man it, man the typing like the it really looks good the the page layout errors that i was running into with that was like a nightmare and i just was not happy and that was i mean it wasn't anything to do with anybody it's just sometimes the way it goes it's and just kind of the program you use to it's kind of the program get the interior done yeah and so I think I got it. I got it to where it looks great on the inside. I, I really love this edition. Honestly, I and think this is a fun book. Yeah. Oh, it's um, a blast. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of really weird and entertaining stories in here. Um, a little bit of everything. I mean, there's. Yeah. I, we really do have <laughs> just a giant span of stuff. There's some horror. There's some science fiction. There's some romance. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's um, some like fantasy, uh, dark fantasy. I mean, we've got we've got a whole bunch of stuff in here. Twenty one stories, and every one of them is different from the last one. Yep. All introduced by the Slay siblings. Yeah, we went we, out. We talked to the Slay siblings. We had portraits made of them yeah. for this book. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff to be had in this anthology. So Luckily, they paid for the portraits. Well, They didn't try and stick us with that. Thank God for that. <laughs> so today we're continuing our discussion on craft, and uh, I just wanted to let that little tidbit out there that we've got the book, and, and it's, it's soon going to be coming to our contributors for the anthology. Um, they're all going to get their free physical copies soon. Uh, I just wanted to check it out first to make sure everything looked good before I sent those out. Yep. But I'm happy with it. So you guys will be getting it soon. The rest of you, come to slayhouse.com and order it. Is there maybe a coupon code? There is. That they could use? Shit, what is it? It's holiday2022 is the coupon code to use at yeah. checkout. I believe it's and 15% it's off. 15% off uh, everything on the store. Now until um, the end of the holiday the year. season. Yep, yep. Yep. So you got a, a reader you want to shop for? Get some stuff. We got we got lots of stuff on there. So we're yeah. just we're I'm I'm very happy with this. I'm happy it was with a good the time. Turnout. It was yeah. it was a good time. So today we are continuing our discussion on craft, and we are going to get into dialogue. And dialogue, I don't think a lot of people realize just what goes into dialogue. Like. I mean, dialogue's hard. 
It's it, it's hard to write. It's hard to write convincingly, and dialogue works differently depending on what you're trying to write, what kind of a story you're writing. Yes, yes, perfect. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times when we get to dialogue, we use these examples. You know, great dialogue from like movies or something. That's a lot of like if you YouTube it. Um, yeah, that's a lot of what they want to refer to, and that's fine to listen to it. But the, there are key differences here. Um, the dialogue in a script or a drama or, you know, especially more so with a stage play, I would say, mm-hmm, than even mm-hmm, a, a yeah. televised or film script, um, has to help propel the plot along mm-hmm. and help kind of give the layout of the setting for right. the viewer, especially like a stage play, because you usually have a very sparse, 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 sparse. sparse. I, sparse. I, I look at lots of words. I just don't know how they they sound. <laughs> Is it detritus or detritus? We were talking about that earlier I, today. I feel like it would be detritus. I think it is detritus. I, I, I've always said detritus, but then again, that's another word that I, mean, I like. like de, nah, I, I feel like, you know, detrimental maybe. or de, Detrimental, yeah, detriment, that could be. Yeah. Right, but, but detritus. But detritus, yeah. The Greek god of waste, detritus. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was like the Greek god of trying things. <laughs> he, he, he did try this. Detritus. 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 God, yeah. that was the that was the biggest stretch. <laughs> Mister Fantastic himself couldn't make that stretch. Oh my God! Let's not get Trevor on Mister Fantastic. I mean, <laughs> well, well, I don't know if I want to be on Mister Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> that's the Invisible Woman's job. Oh, oh. this is a family show, Trevor. <laughs> I know they're they're married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you think families are born? Well, the shows I watch, they the mom and dad sleep in two separate <laughs> twin size beds. Sleep in separate beds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick at Night, for spoiling marriage for me. Um, so, what are we talking about? We're talking about dialogue. <laughs> This is all example of dialogue, by the way. We went off the rails. (laughs) So you might, you know, dialogue is is really about describing the setting or describing this, you know, you know, the story beats, what's going to happen when you're in those more scripted kind of moments because you don't have the prose. Right. Exactly. To kind of fill in that gap. I think when we talk about these different media of of writing, right, the dialogue is going to function differently. You know, I I see a lot of shows. I see a lot of plays. I see a lot of um, even film where the dialogue has to serve kind of an an, Mm -hmm. uh, a purpose of of uh, help me with the word. My brain is fried after work today. I don't know why. I, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, exposition, right? Yes. Like a lot of ex- exposition in dialogue. We see that in is it, shows. Is it exposition or exposition? <laughs> we did this all the way through Kansas, too. Like, is Sol- it Selena Salina? Salina. Salina. Detritus. Di- detritus. <laughs> detritus. Detritus. <laughs> this is us. We're just going to, like, fuck up words from now on. Just, um, <laughs> just find a word in every s- sentence. Sentence. <laughs> sentence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're going to be like, God, these guys are smoking something. No, we're not, because it did not pass just, in Arkansas, no. <laughs> which means it did pass in Missouri and Oklahoma. So we're going to be taking some road trips, <laughs> some road trips some across the border, <laughs> just just hop over like an hour and a half over to Tulsa. But we haven't taken them yet because they obviously haven't set it up yet. So, uh, but we'll let you know when we are high and in the studio recording. <laughs> 
<laughs> it'll, it'll As if that's just a thing that happens. It'll probably be like all somber and shit. Like, <laughs> it's a, you know what? That's a Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. <laughs> We've been playing in this Thanksgiving episode, watching like, just a terrible fucking movie. In our in our head, we'll be like all these great vibrant things going off, and we'll be talking and having this conversation. But in the reality of it, we'll be so baked, we'll be like just silent well, and standing. <laughs> you see how he wielded that axe. <laughs> um. Yeah, you're right. I mean, in in movies and scripts, you know, it is it is important. Um, but in the term in fiction, it's less important to do that sort of thing. It's not that you right. won't still find it. You could, if yeah. you're, and conversely, if you're looking at where to cut in your in your book, like if you're if you're looking mm-hmm, for places mm-hmm. to cut, and you notice a lot of this dialogue that's just pushing plot or doing like everyday yeah. mundane things. See if you can't cut that and reword yeah, it to, to I, I get that out. I think this is a good point to to kind of talk a little bit about the use of dialogue in mimetic fashion versus mm-hmm. diegetic fashion. Like, if think about that. If and that, so I hear people saying, like, they're I'm listening. Like, I hear voices now. I hear people saying, uh, <laughs> Jeremy, do, do you need to go to a doctor? No, no, I'm fine. I have marijuana. <laughs> No, I'm fine. I'm good. Um, <laughs> no, I I hear I can hear I could hear possibly people saying, but Jeremy, what is dialogue for then if it's not for this stuff? Uh-huh. Um, and I would say to you, it's to help show those character interactions and mm-hmm. build up those character yeah. interactions. Think about like a real life conversation you have with a friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys don't over explain like things that you are both aware of or things that you know mm-hmm. of. When you look at this critical eye of dialogue and you're like, can I cut this? And if it's two people who've known each other for like, you know, years mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm, discussing mm-hmm. something that they both know about, yeah. if you're over explaining it to get it yeah. across to the reader, you then you need, need to your... probably dial it back because that's not realistic. Yeah, you don't need your characters to mansplain to one another. Yeah, yeah. So watch for areas where you're doing that. Um, but I do feel like. I don't know. I feel like there's there's some good things to take away for for dialogue. First, um, do we get into my? Did you have anything else you wanted to add before we get into the? No, definitions? I, I mean, I I feel like the, you know this is the point. The point is is dialogue is hard. I I feel like dialogue is probably the <laughs> hardest. <laughs> hard. It's hard. <laughs> don't want to do it no more. <laughs> don't want dialogue. All of my characters are mute. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're H.P. Lovecraft, the only line of dialogue and like. <laughs> It's in like the mountains, line. in the mountains it's of like, madness, ah! it's like ah, and it's like, <laughs> it's like uh, what is it? You hear one of the monsters or something say like "tekeli li, tekeli li" or something. It's like it's like <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. it, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. what the if fuck? If you're HP Lovecraft. Lovecraft, you're like nah, fuck it, nobody talks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's get into some definitions. So first, we have direct or quoted speech, uh, which is speech that is direct or quoted. <laughs> Meaning it, it comes straight from the character's mouth. It comes straight from the character's mouth, be it a horse or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. Is, I forgot. Horses can talk in books. They, they, <laughs> yeah. Gulliver's <laughs> Travels. I mean, I heard that's where the term Yahoo came from. Like, that's what they call it. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. That's the, where they, the that's Yahoos what they call it. The Yahoos. Yeah. 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 The people on that, uh, or, or the, the horses, right? Yeah. They're the horse people on, on that island. And they thought humans were stupid, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah right. that's right. Yeah. Okay. We're remembering like undergrad English here, folks. Undergrad world lit. <laughs> I mean, for me, I, n- I never read it in, uh, in, in college period. Oh, really? I read Gulliver's <laughs> Travels when I was like eight years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. When that and you know, Ted, I might have been older. It was yeah. when that Ted Danson movie started coming out. 
Oh yeah, uh, the, t- the made to or made for TV movie, dude. You're showing your age right now. Oh shit, man. I mean, you could have said Jack Black in, in like Save Yourself, back. but t- was Jack Black? Jack Black was Gulliver's in the Gulliver's Travels oh, movies man. too. I didn't even know that. But you're right. Ted Danson's the one I saw also. So maybe it yeah. was pre college. Like maybe that's one of those. I, was, I mean, for me, I was a kid. So yeah, that's when I read it. Um, so direct. Or quoted speech or indirect or reported speech. And indirect or reported speech is like, you know, Mm. you read in there like, you know, the two people got together and they conversed for hours reminiscing on their old childhood. So it's it's kind of dialogue in summary, right? You're you're kind of – you're not quoting something that that someone said. You're just kind of reporting on it. Yeah. There are two very important things I want to talk about when I talk about dialogue, especially now that we got this whole idea out of the way that it's, it's there to show this interaction between people. Um, is this idea of beat and the idea of dialogue tags. Okay. Dialogue beats and dialogue tags. Yeah. And I think this is... I get these two confused all the time. So a dialogue beat is interactions and actions spaced between the dialogue right. that show the character interacting what with the setting. they're doing as they're speaking. Right. right. So for an example I have, he took his time answering her, lifting the... I wrote this myself, folks. You can't steal this. If I see this you in your take a, book... Take a breath and center yourself. If you, t- if I see this in your book, I'm going to sue your ass off. No, I'm just. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> All right. No. So here's my example. So he took his time answering her, lifting the coffee cup to his lips and tasting the bitter Ara- Arabic. Why do I write words that I don't know bitter how to pronounce? Arabic? Arab- Arabica? Arabica? Arabica. Arabica. <laughs> Let me try this again where I'm not stuttering like an idiot. But uh, he took his time answering her, lifting the coffee cup to his lips and tasting the bitter Arabica brew. Quote, no, I don't think you will, end quote. Right? So now we don't have mm-hmm. he said or, you know, any of this. Right. He's, We've got a he's beat. just in between his sips of coffee. He's right. Just, no, I don't think you will. Another example of a beat is, and it's also an example of showing, not telling. Yep. Um, she banged her fist on the table, face reddening. Quote, why the hell not? End quote. So yeah. there we don't have to have, you know, any kind of tags. Tags are the right. things that come at the end of dialogue. Like he said, she said, right. shouted, whispered, argued, yeah. laughed, cried, right. you know, thundered, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> I, when I write, I usually r- refer to uh, dialogue beats. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of beats. I'm I am a big too. fan of, of using them to clarify the speaker, but also to... Give the the scenes some weight with the characters, right? Yeah, I mean they're not <laughs> they're not in a fucking vacuum, like interacting, right? It, like it, delivering their lines. It gets really weird when, and I'm not saying everything needs a beat, right? Right. right. Uh, some some conversation can carry on. We can kind of carry the scene in our heads, but it gets real weird when all of a sudden your characters are doing something and they just stop, like they yeah. just t pose. <laughs> <laughs> and they just start talking at each other, you know? It's it's like they're still doing things in yeah. the world, right? Yep. And so dialogue beats, I think, add to that mimetic effect, right? Yeah. Where they're continuing the action of, of whatever it is that they're doing while they're talking, while they're speaking. And if you've anchored the – even if it's a third-person um, story and you've anchored that scene well around that person, you can minimize right. – um, the beats as right. well as the tags that you're attached to right. it. Depending on what your effect is, you yeah. know, what you're going yeah. for. Now, there is a huge debate out there about dialogue tags. Like, do yeah. we need them? How much do we need them? Yeah. I, you know, it, th- so this is my hot take. Okay. This, this is where I come down with, with dialogue tags. Okay. 
I think dialogue tags are necessary if you have a, a, a very confusing conversation going on among, I would say, three or more characters. Yeah. Or if you have some dialogue, some bits of dialogue where um, it's important to kind of just like take a moment to break up just this the lines you know of dialogue together yeah. to clarify which person is saying what right i oftentimes will get lost in a conversation because the dialogue tag or the dialogue beat is not clear enough to me of who is initiating the conversation yeah. or who is continuing the conversation. Yeah. So sometimes, and I've, I've seen this a lot in some poorly polished work, let's say. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll see like a, a, two characters in a dialogue with one another and all of a sudden it's clear that like one of them said another line right after he said it. Mm -hmm. And as a result, like it throws off the entire balance of the conversation. Yeah. So the intention of like who is saying what gets lost because the beat or the tag is unclear as to who is speaking at what point in time. Yeah. If you're breaking the quote to like for an effect, one dialogue should you know it shouldn't be a new paragraph if it's a new speaker if you're going to break the mm, quote then it mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. if you've got like a line and then a line break and then another right. bro- or right. another, another line right like and another, it's from the same person talking, yeah. and you know it's from the same person it should be in the same paragraph it should be in the same paragraph and it should <clears throat> that's where you need a beat that's where you need something right. inserted there where you can show them interacting and then you right, still don't right. skip to the next line. You just put it after the beat. Right. Exactly. So exactly. I, I see a lot of, you know, difficulty with, with that. I also see some weird stuff with punctuation, like, yeah. uh, you know, some punctuation problems. If you're not sure what you should be doing with your punctuation, you know, with a quotation, add a tag, <laughs> add a yeah. beat and start over, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I, I will frequently get lost yeah. um, sometimes when I, you know, if, if your punctuation is off or if your dialogue is just too long, you know, yeah. it, it, there's just too much information crammed in there. That's another good rule of thumb. I remember from grad school, I had a, uh, an advisor say, you know, um, you know, by and large, it needs to maybe be like a couple of lines of yeah. dialogue. Anything yeah. longer than that, and it's just, it, there's another way to deliver that information. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, um you know, I, I think that it, if not used well, like in that Michael Crichton um, example I gave a couple episodes ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. With The Lost World. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's, same with J.K. Rowling. Yeah. It's right? like the whole thing is like he said, she said, he said, she said. We don't need that. Yeah. It's it's totally superfluous. Now, let me ask you this. Um, substituting the word said with other tags or mm-hmm, words that mm-hmm. act as tags, mm-hmm. are you... Where do you come down on that? Oh, well, you know, that's a really good question because I, okay, so sometimes I feel like the emotion should be carried in the dialogue itself. Yes, absolutely. I should be able to tell what that person's mood is through the the words that they're using, the word choice, but also the punctuation, Mm -hmm. you know, exclamation marks are useful. Yeah. All caps um, are useful. All caps are useful. Thank you, boomers who text. Uh, uh, like italic, I know when you're uh, italicizing a word for emphasis, you know, or something yeah. like that. I, f- I feel like you, yes, it seems like a, a textual cheat, but what you're doing is, is really using the formatting of your text itself 
to to uh, you know kind of illustrate um, your idea. You, you know, to to clarify your yeah. your, your uh, the the, the uh, emotion that you're kind of going for. Yeah. That being said, I do think that sometimes it's not so clear. Yeah. What you're trying to do, and and so you know your dialogue tag may be necessary there. I I've. I think the the consensus in in the halls of academia, academia, and, and, academia, and, with, academia with an extra like <laughs> a e. <the. laughs> yeah. um, I think the consensus is you know let the tags do as little as possible. You know, like you said, let the emotion come from the words right. themselves, from the 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 beats. If you can, instead of say you know she whispered, if you can, you know, show me with a beat, like you know she dropped her eyes and lowered her voice till he could barely hear. her. You know, that to me is more interesting than just, you know, I love you, she whispered. It's like, you know, again, it's 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 how it's used. It's that show versus tell kind of idea. Um, yeah. And and I feel like a lot of dialogue tags show us what we should be thinking. And and, the, and sometimes, yeah. like you said, it's necessary. But, you know, I, th- I, th- I think, for example, the whisper. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. OK. <clears throat> Use that. It, it, yeah. it clarifies. It clarifies the sentiment because how do you, how, you know, how otherwise would you suggest it's a whisper? Yeah. Unless you were like, you know, she she got up real close to his ear and, uh, you know, her her voice came out softly, you know, or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. but even then it's like, you know, that's only going to take you so far. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but you but know, stay in away general. From, but there are tags you got to stay away from. Like, and if you don't believe me, like, try it. Like, try it out. Yeah. You know, like, he... um you know, you have another character say a line of dialogue and then you put, he laughed. Have you ever talked and laughed at the same time? So he's turned into the Joker? Like, <laughs> he's, he's turned into like a. a I mean, I, I. Some. Okay. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it's. I, th- I feel like that's going to be perf- personal preference thing. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm okay with because I don't want to read a whole bunch of <laughs> yeah I like, don't want yeah. I hate that so but you know again, saying like that, like he cackled you know at the end I of mean, a, a sentence or something like that I'm, that I'm be, okay with that that's fine as a beat I think like give us that that reported speech like I don't need to hear uh-huh. the laugh but you know as a reported speech like he he cackled or he 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 couldn't help but laugh before he said I mean you know because that's more realistic I mean I guess you can laugh while you're talking but. I don't it know. Just I, I, again, I, I, <laughs> I think it's going to depend on the scene, right? Again, all a lot of this, a lot of this writing. I, yeah. I don't want it to be, you know, merely prescriptive, but right. I do think that you know, as everything, like writing is a, about a, making a series of choices. Right, right, and knowing exactly why you're making the choices exactly. that you're making. Being informed about the choice you're making. What is the effect that you're going for here? Which means, guess what? A lot of these rules and shit that we're talking about in these episodes, you can break them as long right. as you were making the conscious choice and right. knowing why you were and breaking understand, them. And understand, you know, like, I don't know, you're going to get different mileage out of it. Yeah. And your readers may get different mileage out of it. Exactly. You know, so so I think going in with, you know, being informed about the decision that you're trying to make. Yeah. Can yeah. help the end the end goal, you know, the, yeah. the effect that you're really going for. I will say... If you're only using dialogue tags and yeah. not adding a whole lot of beats, I get bored. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I get bored pretty quickly um, because I, I, 
I feel like I get the point. You know, they're talking yeah. to each other. And at some point, if it's only two characters talking to each other, then you don't even need the tags. Like, yeah. If right. you want exactly. that run of dialogue, you might just insert a tag exactly. or a beat here and there. And some stuff doesn't need a whole lot of beats. You no. know, I don't need a beat on every single line. I could I could go yeah. for, you know, four or five line, lines of dialogue before I get a beat. You know, or, or before something happens that, that breaks up a little bit of the talking. Part of this, what you want to think about with this as a writer, um, is you want to to be considerate of the pacing of your story. Yeah. Dialogue reads faster than prose. It does. Mm-hmm. And so you want to, if you've had a couple of pages of strong prose and you want to settle into some dialogue or you're getting into mm-hmm. an action scene mm-hmm. and you really want to get that dialogue going. Yeah. Then your choice of beats and tags and what you do to kind of space yeah. that dialogue out to 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 kind of control the rhythm of it. Um, yes, rhythm is very important. Is is gonna gonna change and depend on what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. How does your story flow? How does it flow? Um, so, sometimes I'm actually you know again I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I get super bored just reading narrative passage after narrative passage. Yep. Having characters interact with each other is more exciting than having them not interact. Exactly. They um, you know, that's not as easy to teach like that that rhythm thing. I think dialogue is so hard. Dialogue it, can be. Hard, it really yeah. is hard, and and I think that um. It's easy to get lost in, you know, the illusion that uh, that you know dialogue is just going to carry your, your story forward, or yeah. that your characters, you know, like like must talk at all times about you know their motivations or something like that. Yeah. You know, again, I I lean pretty heavily on what are the conversations that you have with people around you. You know, the conversation yeah. that we have on this show is very different than the conversation that we have off the show. Yep. It's very different from the conversations that I have with my mother or, you know, that I might have with my brother or my sister. You know, yeah. there's uh, there's code switching that, that we engage in all the time. We talked our about lives. that with the Maltese Falcon. Right. Uh, yes, exactly. I, th- I think that's an excellent example of code switching, mm-hmm. you know, because we have a character who does do a lot of code switching depending on who it is that he's talking to. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think that there's, I don't know, again, I, I think there's a trap of, of thinking that dialogue has to be this one way or this one specific thing for your story. And, and in reality, you know, your, your dialogue can, can perform a lot of different functions Yeah, and you have to be kind of aware of what the function is as you're going in and you know what what ultimately are you trying to do with characters yeah there are going to be some things that really work really well and there's going to be some things that don't work at all it just Mm -hmm. doesn't come together so what are some examples maybe of um books or or literature with some strong dialogue and maybe some books that have weaker dialogue well, definitely the weak dialogue. I mean, I'm bringing back up that that uh, Lost World by yeah. Michael Crichton. That was Crichton. just dog shit. I mean, yeah. um, books with ooh, this is a good question. Books with strong dialogue. Uh, you know, I feel like Crossroads just had really strong dialogue. Um, Crossroads is interesting. Uh, I'm thinking about the books that I've just finished. Yeah, um, Salem's Lot had good dialogue in it. Um, not too over explanatory. I feel 
Okay, I'm 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 gonna counterpoint Salem's <laughs> Lot because I haven't read Salem, Salem's okay. Lot. It's, yeah, it's not enough. on my it's not on my mind. Yeah, I do remember though, uh, just recently reading Colorado Kid. Yeah, the Colorado Kid by Stephen King, mm-hmm. and that book has some of the worst dialogue. Yeah, it's it it's cringy. I think there are certain demarcation lines because Stephen King writes everything and throws it to the wall and sees what right. sticks, right? Yeah, exactly. And some of his books come off like gangbusters and some yeah. of them come off like like just, oh, we can forget yeah. this. This was terrible. Yeah. And I think there are clear demarcation lines and what makes a Stephen King book good or not as good. Yeah. And I think part of that is dialogue. Yeah. I think when he really is concerned and interested in the characters right? and he really does a lot to build the characters up, then I think the dialogue tends to be better. Yeah. But then there's and, and and what I feel like okay so this is uh, something from Stephen King yeah. I feel like his characters lack voice mm. I think yeah. that his dialogue always sounds very samey yeah and a lot of his characters just sound like an old white dude <laughs> talking at you yeah. even when they're this was a, a huge problem I had with later. Yeah. Uh, another of his recent books, right? Yep. Um, where half of his characters, I'm like, who's talking here? <laughs> like the main character is supposed to be a kid or something like that. And yeah. his dialogue reads like an 80 year old. It's just, yeah. it's like somebody who's trying to remain hip. I mean, I did get that it's, the story is from a kid who's who has recollecting. Grown up, yeah, right? he's recollecting. And he's recollecting things. That's, but you know who that's does that maybe little... the voice of the narrator. But yeah. uh, but even in the, the dialogue, I was like, whose dialogue is this? Do you know who does a better job of that, I think? Um, to Kill a Mockingbird. Um, Harper Lee? Harper Lee. To Kill a Mockingbird. I think her dialogue mm. and her vision as the narrator looking back on her life as a child uh-huh. is beautifully kind of structured, I think. That's interesting. I think that's a really good book. Yeah. Um, so um, I had I was just kind of thinking it over um, a little bit because we're we're preparing to interview uh, Tracy Cross yes. for the show uh, yeah. who who just just released Root Work yes um, a really interesting book that has um, some interesting dialogue choices you know one of the the choices that she makes is that she writes um, in dialect which is the next thing I want to talk about. Okay. This. Okay. Yeah, so this but, is a good so, segue. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, one of the things that strikes me about um, the characters and their use of dialect um, is that it it gives an air of authenticity to these characters because it's supposed to be it's supposed to take place in uh, the late 19th century in Louisiana. Yep. And so her characters sound like they're from Louisiana, mm-hmm. and I like that a lot. Some of the nuance. Of the characterization can get lost, though, yeah. in that dialect because, you know, characters are, are speaking in the same dialect. And yeah. as a result, some of their individual voice gets a little bit muddled. Yeah. So there's like a level of authenticity that I really like. And I definitely think that there's a difference in in the dialogue of, say, like Pee Wee, that mm-hmm. character, and Teddy. Yeah. Um, because there's an, there's an age difference. They talk to each other 
very differently. And some of the things like Pee Wee is focused on is definitely like a Pee Wee thing. Yes, like absolutely. When she's tormenting her sister, like if only, I'm not far into it, so I'm, I don't want to give a lot of. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't have a lot to give away. Uh-huh. But like at the beginning, when she's like running with her sisters and yeah. they're like tormenting each other, yeah, 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 yeah. You kind of learn their different I- yeah, it's, idiosyncrasies. It's really, really interesting yeah. how she she manages to build layers onto these characters, yep. in spite of them sounding very same. Because of the orthographic nature of, of the dialect. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, but, you know, all of that is to say, you know, I think that her dialogue is really convincing. Yeah. Because um, her characters speak from a place of authenticity. Yeah. And the conversations that they have together sound like the kinds of conversations that you might overhear in, a you know, your average yeah. living room. There's a sense of, like lived dialogue here yeah and and um on her at, at her book I think launch, raymond carver does a good job of this too raymond carver's stars. pretty good um at the book launch i asked tracy you know what what is some of your influence and i'll ask it again on the show when we interview sure. her for sure um but one of the things she said was you know she read a lot of uh zora neale hurston mm. for you know, to kind of study her her dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I was like, that's another great example yeah. of a writer who really understands the importance and the purpose, the function of dialogue. One of the things, and I, I, I don't think when we, we lay this on Stephen King, like his voices all sounding the same, uh-huh. I'm only referring back to that because I've had students ask me, how do I get my characters not to sound the same? It's so hard, and it's so hard to do. The thing that, that helps me around, or the thing that I, I wrap my head around when I think about this. So I'm, I'm working on a story that's been part cathartic, part, um, I, I think it's going to be a hell of a good, it's, uh, it's, I mean, Karen loves it. She's read it and she's like, this is really is well, it, this the, is church the church, art, church art, yeah. yeah. I'm going to change the title of it. That's the working title. But, um, yeah. but she, she's like, it's really well written. Um, and, you know, I got to amp up the horror in some parts because I'm just like, I'm so <laughs> yeah. stuck on this beautiful prose yeah, that it's yeah, like yeah, it yeah. doesn't get as horrifying as it needs to. So I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I'm rip some throats out here. Um, but uh, one of the things I tried to do, um, because it's meant to be a, a kind of a cathartic story, because mm-hmm. I lost both, mm-hmm. you know, I was really close yeah. with both my right. grandfathers and right. both of them passed away. Actually, is my stepdad in 2015. And then my dad's father in 2016, and then yeah. my mom's father in 2017. Yeah. And I was like, "Damn, I've, I'm like under a rock now." Yeah. And uh, but one of the things that I tried to do is I tried to think about how different family members, people I know in my own life, how they are they speak not just dialect, but also like, for example, my one grandfather was had been a deacon in his local church for mm-hmm. like forty something years, and he loved. This he was always he was never saw himself as a teacher, but he was always kind yeah. of a teacher. But he always spoke through parables, and yes. he would always have a story. He was very yes. um, uh, loquacious. He was yeah. just he was always had a story to tell. And I thought that is the way yeah. some people speak. That's that's my grandfather in law. Yeah, uh, maybe it's just a generational thing. Maybe, but, but any time he tries to talk, it it just boils into a story. My my grandmother, my my British grandmother, mm-hmm. does the same thing. Um, where you'll be trying to talk to her and all of a sudden she just is like, 
she's yeah. talking about stuff 60 <laughs> years prior you know and and trying to relate that to this modern moment you know this this current moment and my other grandfather was super intelligent um in his own right but he actually only had an eighth grade education because that was the thing he was born in 1920 it's also interesting and so that was kind of what they did back then yeah. so he had an eighth grade education yeah. and he had like he would confuse like idioms that he had heard right like, right right like, and, and these right th- so these are things these are things that you can put into your you can exactly. study your character and say who is my character yeah you know? think about their vocabulary think about you their know, vocabulary. is this a word that this character would use yeah and why um think about uh gosh think <laughs> just think about you know exactly what idioms do they know you yeah. know what would they know um, are there any, you know, like particular regional words, you yeah. know, maybe that you, you should consider adding to their vernacular? Right. Um, yeah. What, uh, one of the, man, one of the books that I think has the worst dialogue I've, <laughs> I've read um, was this book called We Hunt the Flame. Uh, I think it's, I, I'm going to butcher her name's pronunciation, <laughs> but I think it's Hafsa Faisal. Uh um, and it, it's, you know, it's this fantasy story that is supposed to be, it's, it's kind of YA. It, well, it's not kind of, I believe it's <laughs> YA. Um, but it's a fantasy story about, you know, this girl who, uh, has her call to adventure. It's, you know, kind of supposed to be structured around like some Arabian mythology or something like that. Interesting. Um, it, you know, that's interesting, her, but her character dialogue is atrocious. Uh, and one of the problems is that none of her characters sound different from one another. Yeah. They come from very different walks of life, and yet they they just talk the, the same way. Yeah. And more frustrating than that even, I felt, was that all of her characters are always talking at each other like they have perfect information <laughs> they know exactly what's happening in the story they know everything that everybody else is thinking around them and as a result they kind of like finish each other's own thoughts like the the main character will think something internally and then the character next to her will answer the question that she did not ask <laughs> And that's extraordinarily frustrating because, again, there's like, who are who are these characters? That makes me just want to put a psychic in a book, and then <laughs> it's like, man, I can do a hamburger. You know, yeah, yeah, I can just, go get you a Whopper. And, it um, just, you know, nothing about it, nothing about it really worked for me, and uh, and it was so disappointing because I know that there are like some eighth grade girls out there. Like, <laughs> I, I, I fucking love this book, and and uh, you know, if you're one of those eighth graders. <laughs> number one, why are you listening to why our show? Why are you listening to this show? <laughs> <laughs> but but number two, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It just, I, I guess good for you if you like it, but it, yeah. it, nothing nothing about it works for me. You know, I've not been exposed to a lot of YA, but from what I've read, it's like, it's pretty lowbrow pedestrian. I'm going to push back against that. I think I'm, that uh, there's a lot of YA that is... Not surprisingly, it's good. It's Uh, real fucking good. I think the problem is is that, you know, a lot of us as adults go into read YA as adults. And and, and as a result, it's like, oh, this doesn't feel like it's very good. And it's like, but it's for a different audience. And I think writing for an audience is extraordinarily hard. Yeah. And if you're writing for a YA 
audience. I don't think that's because you couldn't hack it for an adult no, audience. No, 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 no. I think that you know, developing a skill set specifically targeted to reach yeah. a, a demographic that you are not. That's <laughs> you know, that's extraordinarily. Difficult it, it is difficult. To yeah, do. yeah. I I guess we're we're led by these examples like you know, Hunger Games and. And Harry yeah. Potter and yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Stephanie Meyer's Twilight series and those are not like those are not good books like ooh I just pissed a lot of people off I um, I mean I I there's don't, a lot wrong with like I've 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 not I okay. think it falls apart too quickly yeah for, for me like you yeah. know like Hunger Games I felt the first Hunger Games was fine it just it starts to fall apart as soon as you start to really pick apart the metaphor that they've built yeah. I yeah. feel like for me, Hunger Games was great, but then the, there was a problem of like everybody wants to, everybody wants to emulate the Hunger Games, and yeah. so they create stuff like, like Veronica Roth's uh, Divergent series, yeah. which is hot shit. Does it not diverge from? <laughs> it's just, no, it's just stupid. It just doesn't. It doesn't make any fucking sense the, if you even spend a moment thinking about it. Yeah. But then there are writers like Libba Bray. Who I think has has written some incredible YA fiction. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that uh, you know, Adam, I, hell, Adam Caesar just this year uh, released in you know, Clown in the Cornfield too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in spite of those being you know YA fiction that that people want to turn their nose up to, uh, no, it's it's incredible. It's so good. Um, now, I'm not going to go out and say that, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's is a good series because it's clearly not, right? Um, but but I this think, is why I preface my statement with I've not read a lot, so right. I'm basing it on what I and do maybe, know of Maybe it. it's just because, I, you know, I read everything. If, yeah, if you, you recommend a fucking book to me, I'm probably going to read it. Unless it's a bro book. Unless we, it's we a bro book. We discussed that last Yeah, episode. we're not, yeah, d- yeah. don't, yeah. I, I'm never going to read Infinite Jest. Just fuck off with that. <laughs> Which I do have Infinite Jest on my, on my <laughs> shelf. Everybody has, except for me, has Infinite <laughs> Jest on their So time. I might actually read Infinite Jest at some point, yeah. but. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I haven't yet. I'm, Listen, all of this is to. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to rein us back in. Good a luck. Little bit, right? Good luck. I'm gonna rein us back <laughs> in. You know, understanding your genre and understanding the function of dialogue in your genre is really important. Understand yeah. your audience. What does your audience need out of uh, the characters as they talk to we, to one another? And um, you know, I, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I don't think that your audience needs your dialogue to be extremely diegetic. Yeah, I think they need your dialogue to feel lived in. I Readers think are a lot smarter than we want to give them exactly. credit for. Exactly, it's it, it's important for you to measure. You know, what kind of information you're sharing through your characters? How are they talking to one another? What is the function of a conversation and how does it move the stories forward while revealing to us who these people are? Yep. Which leads me to my last talking point on this that I really think we need to. And this is a question I think I want to ask Tracy on when we do record. with Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Dialect. You mentioned dialect already. Um, Should we write? I've I've seen. Let me let me tell you first the. As a, an instructor of creative writing, when I've seen yeah. dialect attempted in the creative writing class, it's ninety nine point nine percent times bad. 
It's yeah. Most of the time, it's bad. That's and because I'm not going to deny it's hard to do. It is, but most of the time, they're taking from their lesson of reading Huck Finn, and it's not even uh-huh. a close reading of Huck Finn because all yeah. they want to do are drop syllables, drop like letters, yeah. and add apostrophes, and they think this is dialect, and that's not. Yeah, I can read because I've spent most of my life in this part of uh, yes. the, the country. Mm-hmm. I can read. Huck Finn, he's using 12 different dialects in that book, mm-hmm. and he's beca- and he's mastered them because he spent so much time writing the Mississippi, right. so he's, he's heard these he's different dialects, for it. and if you actually read the words in the story and listen to the different dialects and you read them correctly yeah. the way he's got it mapped out, yeah. you can hear the different dialects <laughs> this in is, this story. Yeah, this is kind of where I'm coming. I'm, I'm going to come in, because yeah. uh, you know I've read a lot of stuff with dialect, too, yeah. and I think di- dialect is not just... Uh, the orthographic stuff. No. Dialect is also the vocabulary. It's, it's the, the idioms. Vocabulary. It's, it's you the know, syntax. All the, uh, the syntax, all the stuff we've been talking about, right? Yep. Um, and I, I think that uh, I like in dialogue or, or dialect, when, when you use dialect, you know, think of it like you're, you're trying to speak in an accent. Yeah. And really, really contemplate, you know, like if you do it poorly, that accent is going to sound like shit. Yeah. One of the ones that the one of the the writers that I've had my issues with in the past with a couple of his books, uh-huh, but I've really uh-huh. liked some others. Like I really like the Elementals by uh, Michael McDowell. Oh, yeah. McDowell. Um, one of the things he does interesting because he's always writing from the south and from right. the southern dialect and he doesn't change a lot of words, but he will substitute words. So like in the south going a, a lot sounds like gone or gone. Uh huh. Like I'm yeah. going to do this. Yeah. And so he will write the word gone and when it's clearly mean like going. And so these are yeah. very simple, like you're talking about, just simple choices. Yeah, kind of that little he's substitutions. Yeah. Yeah. I think um I, I just I think dialect is is tough. And and if you aren't, you know, really sure of your, your study of dialectical language, maybe don't lean too heavily into it you know it's it's just like it's just like an actor who is not trained in a british accent trying to do a british accent you can tell when it's not convincing and as a result that that becomes very dissatisfying now here's the other question when does attempting dialect or does attempting dialect for a another group of people of which you are not a part of is that mm. acceptable well that's uh, that's, that's such a, a that's pc be, question that's a hot that's a hot take i think that's going to be a i mean that's difficult uh, to say uh, yeah. Okay. So I, you don't want to show disrespect, but you want to be authentic. Yeah. I'm right? gonna I'm gonna share two two like different examples right. here of of you know one I've kind of seen some of this done. Yeah. Um. All right. So one of my favorite fantasy series of all time is Redwall. Okay. It's a about these little animals that live in this forest, and uh, they are always running into bad animals, and they they fight frequently. It sounds. Like it, it, it sounds stupid, but I promise it's some of the best fantasy I've ever read. But one of the things that Brian Jakes does, the, the author does in these books, is he really wanted more British literature to represent the different accents of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so, as a result, many of his different character species will speak with a different 
kind of vernacular, a different dialect. Gotcha. And so you've got these bolt these uh, you know for example the, the moles I think are like like super like kind of quote unquote <laughs> like the the hick british accent you know yeah. they've got these like really <laughs> thick um almost like a yorkshire uh, kind of drawl right okay um and then but then he's got like these rabbits and the rabbits speak like they're all like World War II colonels, you, you know, like um, th- they have a very particular kind of of uh, prissiness, you know, to mm. the language that they use. And then you've got, you know, like your mice and they just they just talk like, you know, a British person person might talk. <laughs> and the reason why he did that was because he wanted a greater representation of all of the different kinds of language that he heard, you know, all around his his home country. Mm hmm. And I think that that is really valuable, you know, as an effort of representation and preservation. It's extraordinarily important in literature. And so his dialect works really well for me. And I loved exploring it through, you know, the 20 books or whatever that are in the series. Yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, (laughs) I think that there are writers who start trying to use dialogue or, or dialect um, because it's just like a thing that they think they want to include. It's just a thing that they feel like, oh, you know, it would be cool if this character um had some dialect. And it creates an effect of tokenism, yeah, that I really think is is and that's what not we want to steer away from, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, so i I kind of feel like uh, I'm just you know, uh, the elephant in the room is like, if you're a white writer trying to write, a black character and you try to use black slang uh, in your book or, or, or dialect that makes that black person sound a certain way. I really have to push on like, why are you doing that? Yeah. What is your purpose here? Because oftentimes I think you create a token character Yeah. or sometimes you create a caricature of yeah. a person and, and that representation can be hurtful. Oh yeah, you yeah. know I I think often of of um I, I I always come back to fucking Avengers and I know I've talked about this before mm-hmm. but you know in the Avengers for so long there's only one female character on that fucking team <laughs> and as a result like whether it's intentional or not when you only include one of that kind of person you know in your representation you are making a statement for all. Yeah. Members of that particular minority or that particular group. Yeah. Yeah. So by having only one woman, when you make that woman feel like she's a monster because she can't have children, you're basically saying that all women must bear, you know, children or otherwise they're inhuman. Yeah. Fucked up. (laughs) That doesn't work. That doesn't sit very well. And so when you only have one black character... And he talks or she talks a certain way that is stereotypical. Mm-hmm. You are essentially stereotyping every black person. Yeah. And yeah. that's a problem. That's a that's that's one of the reasons why I hate tokenism. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it, it, it opens up very problematic avenues. Yeah. So so, you know, to your point, when when you are writing dialect and you are not a member of the group that you are writing 
you know, with this dialect, you really need to take a step back and say, the fuck are you drawing on? Yeah. And and what are you trying to accomplish with this? Yeah. You know, I will tell you right now, if you only have one Native American and he comes in and he sounds like a fucking 1950s Indian from a cowboy movie, yeah. you done fucked it up. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things I like reading... Um, just to avoid this kind of thing and in mirroring language, you know, like Tracy Cross said, she read Zora Neale Hurston. Mm-hmm. I like reading, um, you know, just all sorts of, of of literature from from other other you know voices, other perspectives. Yes. You know, I read The Ballad of Black Tom by by Victor Laval, and I, you know, I, I I'm not I like the book. I yeah. do like the book. I like the story that he's attempting to tell in there. I yeah, think yeah. there was more of a story and he cut it down to this like novella size and it could mm-hmm. have been like, it would have been better if he'd have embellished this. Hmm. But his dialogue is pretty strong in there and he doesn't, you know, he's got this this black main character um, from like Harlem, you know, in like, mm. the 1920s. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And then his other main character is this white cop and he really doesn't change their, their vernacular that yeah, yeah. much. And, uh, you know, but on the other hand, I've read um, uh, Toni Morrison's Beloved, and mm, and mm-hmm, there are some dialect choices in there, and mm-hmm. and they're pretty consistent with, you know, she's done yeah. her research. She's listened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the key to anything, I think, is right. just do your fucking research. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking. Phone of, it in. I'm thinking of Chester <clears throat> B. Hines with uh, uh-huh. uh, the, the wow, what what is what does he call that series? What is the name of the book? I can't remember the book, um, but he's got some interesting, you know, like detective characters in there. One of my favorite things about dialogue, um, reading Stephen Graham Jones, The Only Good Indians. Mm, I mean, mm-hmm, his dialogue mm-hmm. is beautiful so in there, good. and it's it's reflective so, of what the characters pay attention yeah. to. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. His yeah, his work's really good. It's I, I just you know when it when it comes down to it, like build your ear for dialogue. Yeah. Just listen to people. You know, if you have to take take notes on on what some of the things that that people say, yep, uh, and and just you know, kind of replay some of those scenes back and and listen to um, how people talk. That's gonna help yeah. you as a writer. Just listening a lot, and also as always, like like read widely. I I know yeah. that that is gonna come and become my kind of refrain. Um, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, you're, you're trying to read, um, you know, and, and only exclusively read and never write, um, like some people in this room, (laughs) (laughs) cough, cough, myself. Um, but I think, you know, just like read, read widely Mm -hmm. and read a lot of different voices and look at the way that they represent dialogue. I, I encourage writers to, you know, write what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you're going to write something you don't know as well, get to know it. Yeah, get to know it. You know, a very little of what I read in grad school. I mean, they knew in grad school that my, my creative thesis was going to be a horror novel um, that I was looking into genre. Uh, they um, And I read some genre work in, mm-hmm. in grad school, but I read plenty of non-genre work. And mm-hmm. I learned just as much about dialogue and about setting and about all this stuff that we're talking yeah. about. Um, from both of them. And I've, I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've been tried to incorporate that in my own writing so that yeah. you, you know, now apparently I have a horror story that I'm working on that 
uh, you know, isn't that scary, but it's beautifully written. It's like, damn <laughs> yeah. you, high literature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, the more you build your craft, the more you're going to stand out in a crowded field. Yeah, I think um, so. You know, one of the things that I, I absolutely love about, about root work uh, as we anticipate, you know, this interview, um, her dialogue is so well done. Yeah. It really is like no other horror novel I have read. You know, it, it really in a, a in a packed field of horror, because my gosh, is there so much horror coming out every mm-hmm. day? Um, her stuff really stands out. Gabino Iglesias, same yep. thing with his books, yep. um, especially with the the Devil uh, Takes You Home. Mm-hmm. He's got you know characters who are who slip in and out of spanish as they're talking to one another depending mm-hmm. on who they're talking to or what the audience is around them and that sort of thing sets you apart i am going to lean back on two books that i've talked about too previously um katrina ward sundial and laurel yeah. hightower's crossroads the yeah. dialogue each character and sundial has their own voice and yes. their own it's a it's well really well crafted book um and the dialogue serves its purpose. It shows us the relationships between the reader, right. the characters in yeah. Crossroads. And I, I think that both of these, along with the other um, examples we've provided, give you plenty of... There's so many places to start. There's so many places to start. There's yeah. no excuse for not doing your work on this stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So many people think, oh, I can write a book, and it's like they're, you know, they... They just phone it in. They don't realize the craft that goes into this. Yeah. This is there's a lot of there's a lot of thought and and cho- again choices. You just gotta make choices. Yep. Yep. So, All right. Well, thanks for choosing this podcast. Hey, <laughs> good segue. Yeah. Uh, if you want, you know, we've got several episodes on craft. If this is your first craft episode, uh, go back listen to some of the others. We've, we've got a lot done, of craft. We've got a lot of. We're full of craft. It, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Keep tuning in. We love you. Mm-hmm.